Uh, if you want to, if you have a Bible, a digital something or other, you want to turn to, tap to, flip to, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. We're going to be uh, focusing a lot of our time there. I'll touch in a lot of different scriptures that you don't have to flip to, but this is the main passage that sets it up. Um, I don't know about your Christmas traditions. Um, I know mine has changed over the years um, growing up in my family. We did... Um, we would we would read the Christmas story. Um, prior to that, prior to my parents waking up, my sister and I would uh, spend as much time as possible being loud and noisy in each other's bedrooms. Whether it depended, I think we changed we changed it every year. Uh, either she came up to wake me up first, and we would be noisy in my bedroom, which was right across the hall from my parents, or I'd go down and I'd get to see the Christmas tree, and I'd go down around to hers, and we'd be noisy in her bedroom. And which is right underneath my parents. So either way, the goal was ultimately to wake up my parents um, and so that we could get to the Christmas presents. So I don't know about your traditions, but we also did then read the Christmas story uh, during uh, prior to being able to open any presents so we could keep our focus. So I just want to encourage you, this is just an aside from the message, I want to encourage you, if you don't have an established Christ Christmas tradition, establish one this year. Perhaps it's reading the gospel story, you know, the birth of Jesus, so that we keep the focus on him. Perhaps it's talking about what you're thankful for. I know that sounds Thanksgiving-y, but honestly, when we, are, when we get a gift, when we get given a gift, we tell everyone, especially the kiddos, that it is proper manners to say thank you, to be, gracious, to, to be thankful for that gift. And so um, we, um, we evolved in our family to, to start talking about the things that we're thankful for this year, our family the things that have gone on, um, that we got through cancer treatment at one point in our family. And, uh, and so it's so important that uh, you, just, you have a tradition that you are able to connect those kiddos and yourself and your heart to the real meaning. So if you go ahead, if you're not already there, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, I'm going to read out a new, uh, the NIV version. It's the Pew Bible you've got there. It says, The birth of Jesus. In those days... Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while uh, Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to, marry, uh, to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her first, firstborn son, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There we go. All right. I don't want to do that all the time, but hey, that's good. All right. So another thing that if you've ever, um, I, if you've ever hung out with me and you've you've heard me preach, I don't always use the slides. I don't always use the fill in the blanks. But I got I got motivated. I got pre-planned out with this message. God spoke to me about this uh, no vacancy message. Uh, that we're going to hit on today. And so you've got a whole lot of blanks in your worship folder. So if that's the type of person you are, then you're in happy town. If you're not, there might be some margins at the bottom, or you can just write whatever you want on there, draw a picture that helps you remember what the message was about. Whatever it is to help you connect 
the spiritual with the, with uh, the actual thing that we're trying to connect here today. Okay, so some fun some fun facts. I feel like Paul Blart. Fun facts. Caesar wanted to count the Roman world. It's kind of interesting. He wanted to count the Roman world. And this is just some backstory, some information that we might need in order to kind of understand where Mary and Joseph were, what, what was going on here in this passage. He wanted to count the Roman world, and uh, the sources say that he wanted to do that just to show how powerful he was. They, they took account of how, much, you know, how many people, how much land, what he owned. He wanted to make sure that he was the lord of it. Okay, So we're talking about this dude who is lording and wanting to know how much of a lord he is over uh, his area of expertise, his area of influence and power. Now Joseph went to his hometown. That was David's town. Um, we'll talk about prophecies later, um, but this was just important. This was part of the process. They went to the town of their lineage. This is like you going back to where you were born if you had to, and you're growing up, you've got a kid and whatever, and you had to go back there because they wanted to count your head. I don't know, but that's exactly what it was for him. Now, during the time of the census, of course, the scripture tells us that Mary gave birth and wrapped Jesus up in cloths, and that there was no room for them, that's that fill in the blank right there, room for them in the inn. And I do this, quotations, um, never do this to a three or four-year-old. They'll go, Daddy, what does this mean? What does quotations mean? And I'll say, I don't know, or something like that, you know. It's one of those hardest things to express and explain, but you just you just get it. It's not exactly what we're talking about, but it's it's kind of what we're talking about. Okay, there was no room in the inn. Well, the Greek word for inn, yes, I did go there. Christmas Sunday, I'm Greeking on you here. The the Greek word used in this passage in Luke is actually kataluma. Say that. Kataluma. Let's try that again. One, two, three. Kataluma. Kataluma. Kataluma is aka not actually translates into inn. They use the word in later on when uh, Jesus is talking about innkeeper and uh, the parable of the um, Good Samaritan. Thank you, Matt. Uh, the Good Samaritan. And so they, they went to, to give the innkeeper, and that was a different word. And that's actually parokian. Parokian. Those X's and CK's all fun like that. But kataluma is actually translates to guest room. Okay, so if you'll paint a picture here in your mind, they're not going to the Holiday Inn, the very first Holiday Inn. They're not knocking on the door and asking for an unsecured reservation. Hey, do you have a room? They're going actually to uh, their, fa their family lineage's house. Okay, this was the common practice. They're going to their family lineage's house. And they just, in our English language, when we translate the Bible, we just all kind of translate it as in. Even one of my new New Living Translation, even like even more abruptly said it was like the place of the inn and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to read that because the translation, the actual Greek is going back to, it's actually just the guest house. So if you paint this picture, knock, knock, knock. Hey, aunt, uncle, whoever you are, um, you know, here's my wife. She's going to get ready to have a baby here. Uh, okay, well, house is all filled up. Like seriously, everybody is here for the census. There is no room. There's no room in the guest house. There's no room in the room. So what does is, what is Mary and Joseph do at that point? What do they do? I mean, uh, it's, it's, such a, it's such a shocker to be told. I don't know if you've gone back to your parents' house and said, hey, we turned your bedroom into a computer 
a computer room or something like that, as my parents did, or a storage room or something like that, a guest room, but it's really not as, as big as it needs to be for somebody to stay. You know, uh, your, your space is gone. I'm sorry. You know, well, you know how would you feel? Um, well, what, what did they have to do? I mean, this is a young, expected mother. You think she'd get carte blanche to the space. Well, some of the, they, they gave uh, carte blanche actually to the elderly, the older folks in that line. And so that's probably who was actually staying in that guest room. Well, what do they do after that? Well, they're like, oh, hey, well, there's no room in the guest room, so I'm going to go all the way over here to this open-sided um, barn-looking thing uh, that we call a stable, and it's all the way out here in some field or away from a building. And that's the picture that we have, right? Because at your in your home, maybe, you've got this thing called a manger scene, right? We've got this thing called a manger scene, and, and that's what it looks like. I mean, it would be a little bit more complicated if we were able to, to actually have a manger scene like I'm going to describe to you right now. But what they would have at this in this house, hey, I don't have room for you in the guest room. So what they did, they moved on down. A lot, a lot of the, the, the people who studied this, they say this is how houses were built. They had this fenced, uh, this, this blocked in area as part of the house off the side where the animals would stay to keep them safe from the weather. Okay, so this this notion that we've got this open stable thing, and that's you know Mary and Joseph, the innkeeper, innkeeper, um, just pushed them off into that area. That's that's probably more of our popularized ideas, and the fact that we couldn't see baby Jesus and everybody else if we put a big wall in front of it. Um, that's why that that first wall is open. But regardless of wherever they stayed, the Bible doesn't even explain that. That's one thing that we got to get straight. It doesn't even say, hey, they went to this stable and da 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 da. All they said, and we just infer that, is that they said there was no room in the inn, or there was no room in the guest room, and they laid Jesus in a manger, wrapped him up in some cloths, and laid him in a manger. Those are the only evidences we have from the scripture that points to some sort of animal keeping place. Okay, So regardless of whether this picture I just painted for you is exactly to the historical fact, the idea that the Bible doesn't actually tell us that this is how it is, and we have these manger scenes, that's, that's neither here nor there. I just want to clear that up for you. Um, because I could totally perpetuate this myth that they went to Holiday Inn. And that's actually where my brain was going when God said, hey, preach this sermon. Okay. And then I started reading. And he's like, okay, you can't, just can't keep going. All right. So let's keep on keeping on. So they couldn't squeeze in, not that mama, that husband, not that baby, in the guest house. They went out to this little area, and put him in the manger. Now, this is the part of the story that we're going to be focusing on today because this young family living on what barely passes as a place of shelter is, is just, it seems crazy to us. But if you've ever had a time in your life where you've had very little and you're, leave, you're living in something similar to this, it is, you're thankful for what you have. Let's put it like that. So as we look back on the life of Jesus, it's important to recognize that he came from humble beginnings. He was born under very trying circumstances. For instance, and the scripture tells us this earlier, uh, he had, his parents, we can infer, were social outcasts. What, what happened with Mary and Joseph, hey, Joseph wanted to divorce her before they were even you know, married, honestly. He wanted to say, okay, we're going to break this off. I'm going to you know, take away my promise because you're having a baby it ain't mine. You're having a baby here. And then he had the dream with the angel. 
and said, hey, Mary, Mary, and let's, let's get this thing going here because it's going to be God's son. Well, so, so Joseph is on the line. Jo- Joseph's reputation is on the line. Mary's reputation is on the line because they, Mary got pregnant out of wedlock. Joseph stayed with her despite all of his reservations. Pregnant Mary and her husband had a very long journey to get to Bethlehem. If you Google this, and yes, Rick, I did say Google this. We had a joke about that during Sunday school. But um, if you Google the route between um, where he was from Nazareth to Bethlehem, they say the, the path is actually about 163 kilometers. For them to walk there, it would take somewhere between 8 to 10 days um, for them for taking this trip. So, and all of this, in the back of your mind, you got to think for, all of this is for the pleasure of the ruling Roman Empire. The oppressive government still, even before Jesus was born, weighed down upon him. So let's not forget that Jesus was not only born in Bethlehem, but that he was laid in that feeding trough. I mean, this is something that animals stick their mouth in, and it's, it's gross. I don't need to describe anymore. Animal mouth is not something that we're like, ooh, that's fun, I think I'll go see that. You know, it's gross. And I don't think we would like to lay our babies inside an animal's food tray. But this is all they had. And it was warm, and it was a place for the baby to lay. But all this points back to the fact that he had very trying circumstances of his, of his birth, and he had very humble beginnings. He wasn't, he wasn't um, paraded in like all the king's babies throughout the ages are. Um, there was no one following his parents on Twitter, um, you know, the the royal couple of the last several years with their babies in 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 the UK, you know everybody's all excited about that. Jesus didn't get that treatment. We'll talk about what he did get in a minute here. The group I like to call the in crowd. That's one n in crowd. Those are like the local people in the bean counters. They did not see Jesus' worth. For instance. The census takers noted him as just another head to count, or um, pre-birthed head, if you will. Um, they did not see him as anything special, uh, or his parents. Rather, the inside, uh, and rather than the insiders like rabbis and priests, God called outsiders like shepherds, giving them front row seats to God with us. Instead of insiders, rabbis and priests, he called outsiders, shepherds. Rather than local king, King Herod himself, or even his little cronies, his wise guys, if you will, going, the foreigners, the magi, the wise men, those mystical advisors, came looking, to, looking for Jesus due to the prophecies that were spoken about him. Now, all people around us have humble some sort of humble beginnings and, and, and trying circumstances. There's lots and lots of folks. If you uh, listen to the radio at any given time, uh, I've heard a lot of it lately. Uh, there are uh, radio spot after radio spot of uh, 15 million children that are facing hunger today. There are so many that are facing hunger, but yet there's so little uh, people working on that solution. And so they're trying to push to help with that. There's homeless in San Angelo uh, at different exits of stores. And there's people who are, are, are helping in those ways. 
um, whether it is helping or not. But there are people everywhere who need food, who need shelter, who need love. And according to uh, an article from the Standard Times by Laurel Scott, there were about 150 homeless children attending SAISD schools in 2000. Now, it's a little while ago, obviously, but I'm sure that number hasn't gone down too much. The economy in our nation is not that great. Texas might be a lot better than the whole nation. But the mindset still is stuck in the back of uh, the young adult's mind that a college graduate might have a chance of landing their dream job straight out of college, but that has actually gone to the white side. When they hit that reality blockade and they think, oh, somebody's going to pick me up, it doesn't happen. More move back in with their parents and delay growing up. Uh, there's a general lack of hope. People feel like this cartoon up here. The, the words are small, so I'll read them to you. Uh, she says to him, and this is an interview, she says, We're looking for somebody with the wisdom of a 50-year-old, the experience of a 40-year-old, the drive of a 30-year-old, and the pay scale of a 20-year-old. There's just a general lack of hope in the opportunity to better oneself and to get out of poverty and to get out of those trying circumstances. So what are we missing? Are we missing the worth of others around us? McGill Elementary still needs mentors. I remember when the NMI Council came to us as a church and said, hey, this is something that we want to do. We've got lots of projects going on with McGill, but one of them, in the back of my mind I remember, and I know I dropped the ball and I know several of us did, was this mentorship program through McGill. Other people in our community have picked it up, and I am thankful for them. Um, but they still need mentors. And I have, I've seen how important it is to mentor a student in an elementary setting. So I do it with some of our kids who go to our church. And I'm thankful for those connections that I'm able to make. But those kids need more than just a children's pastor to go out and do that work. Uh, Upward Basketball still needs people to share their testimony during game days. This is something... Uh, that I've had the privilege to do and others in our, our church as well as in our community have been able to either share a small devotional in a game or even uh, their own testimony. I mean, if Jesus Christ has come into your heart, you should be able to talk about it. It's one of the premises of becoming a Christian is confessing. And we have to confess that repeatedly. And so getting up in front of some people one Saturday out of the month, uh, one Saturday, Saturday over two months, ain't that bad of a deal. Now, another thing that we don't have, we also don't have a young couple small group. That's something that's been addressed in the last year. And we need somebody to stand up and say, I will take that. I will mentor those young couples. I will lead them in a study. I will help form a community out of these young couples and grow them up in Christ, uh, continuing their spiritual guidance and, adv and advice. And we know everybody's busy. We hear over and over again, I know that we are all busy. You know that we are all busy. That's why carving out one hour a week is such a premium thing. It's, it's, it's so expensive, which makes it all the more worth it. It's like spending time with your own kids. We could pick them up from school, get, set them down for their homework, scurry them around the house, get them ready for bed, get them back up the next day, and do the whole thing over again. And all the while we're spending time doing whatever it is that we're doing. But if we're you know, stuck into our 
digital, and I know I'm, I'm guilty of this, and I've tried to pull away from it, our, you know, our books or our digital versions of a book or whatever it is, when they say, Daddy or Mommy, I need your help with something, or hey, can you just let me sit with you? That's why it's so important to spend some quality time. That's why they call it quality time, because it is so expensive. So think about this. Intentional time spent is worth so much more than the days of hurried busyness as schedule that can't give or give back. Are we missing the worth of Jesus? This is, this is so important to think about this. As we think about Christmas, the word Christ is right in there. It's not something, it's not some other name for the holiday, you know. It's Christmas. It's, it's the coming of Christ. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, is it about Christ in our lives, in our hearts? With that, I ask you, when is the last time that you've invited someone to worship? To worship at your church that you call your own. If you call this church your own, let me just be very specific in case I haven't been specific enough. When's the last time you invited somebody to worship? And what did they say? How did you invite them? What words did you use? Did you... What did you say? Silent pause. Did you try to highlight the energetic parts of First Naz? Maybe you talked about our friendly, welcoming atmosphere. Uh, you know, we've got this for the kids, we've got that for the teens, we've got this for the, the, we've got the ladies' Bible study, and, and, and. And all of that is great. Can't knock it. Part of it is my piece, and I don't want to knock it. I think it's a great piece. I'm thankful for that piece and the ministry that it does. But it ain't Jesus. It in itself is not Jesus. It happens because of Jesus and is the venue for sharing the gospel, but those things are not the gospel in and of themselves. And I'm concerned when we miss the beauty of Jesus. Jesus was born and laid in a lowly place. Animals and outcasts and foreigners crowded around him and worshipped him. The Bible tells us that Jesus uh, tells us about Jesus. It says, for in Hebrews 2:17, it says, "For this reason we had to, that he had to be made like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people." He went on to the people. He didn't just stay there. He cared for the lowly. It says in Matthew 4, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching, or excuse me, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. He also died and was raised for those who betrayed him and killed him. Let me say that again. He died and was raised for those who betrayed him and killed him. Romans 4.25 says he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. The story of this little baby is so amazing, but only a few could see it.
Are we going to say no vacancy? Are we going to say sorry, no vacancy? Within one of Jesus' parables, he tells of a king. And we understand when we look at this story, we understand that this king is, is referring to Jesus in a way. We say this king is a metaphor for Jesus. And in Matthew 25, 40, it says, And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. This Christmas time, you may enjoy fellowship with your family and friends. You might have a table and many tables and refrigerators full of food. You may have presents of all price ranges underneath your tree. But did you carve out space, time, food, gifts for Jesus? You might think right now, sure, Pastor Matt, I'm here on Sunday prior to Christmas. I might even come, imagine this, to Christmas Eve, I might come. I might even invite a coworker or a relative. We won't, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just enjoy Christmas Eve. We won't talk politics. We'll just enjoy Christmas Eve. That'll make it better. We'll, that's great. Bring your whole family. Bring your whole city. Yes, I said bring your whole city. Bring San Angelo. Break down the walls so we can't fit people in here on a Christmas Eve service. How crazy would that be? We'll run out of hot cocoa. We'll run out of seats. We'll be sitting on each other's laps, and that will not do. We'll get more chairs. It'll be crazy. Invite your whole city. But remember, in this busy world where our schedules are so full that they look like an overbooked hotel, we don't see how we can squeeze God into our lives. How to fit one more, just one more itty-bitty baby. We just don't see it. May I suggest to you that a person of high authority, if a person of high authority have accompanied Mary and Joseph when they were coming into town, they came to that family house, maybe even that person of high authority could have been some Roman person or maybe even an angel, and came with them to that door, the people in that house probably would have cleared it out. Just like when there's a premier person that comes to a hotel, everybody else has to wait in the back of the line. That person gets carte blanche. Mary and Joseph, baby Jesus, could have got carte blanche. In our hearts, Jesus deserves better than our leftovers. Jesus deserves better than us squeezing him in. We need to carve out that time. We need to give it at the very top, just like our tithe. We need to give it to him and make him the most important thing in our life. This is how our lives need to be prioritized. Jesus. Lord Jesus. King Jesus. First. There should always be room in our hearts and lives for Jesus. He should get the first and the best seat in our house and in our hearts. Now normally a message of this Style would have a variety of applications. I'd say A, B, C, or D. You can do any of these things. It's a great opportunity. And I'm sure maybe God is speaking to you about what he has called you to do. I want to ask you, I want to challenge you to do one thing. If you don't do anything else with this message, if you are able to, or if you know somebody who is, to participate with us. Because I don't want any of us to think and get through Christmas and say, we're going to say no vacancy.
what we're doing in the children's department right now and getting ready for next week is an outreach project we are going to do as a children's, pro, uh, children's department. We are going to preparing, we're going to do a Grinchless outreach project. And so it's pretty simple. We have some items that we need, and the kids are going to put together these items in a lunch bag fashion. So the different items, we're probably going to put a couple, uh, one or two sandwiches in each bag, some fruit, uh, a candy cane, that type of a thing, maybe a little Merry Christmas card or whatnot. The little ones, they're going to have those bags ahead of time, and they're going to decorate them for these people. But this, this, um, this is twofold what I need your help with. One is we need the supplies for them. Uh, and so those are listed. If you see the itty-bitty Christmas tree out there by the office door or the office window and picture of the Grinch, um, pick up one of those things. It's kind of like Operation Angel Tree. Um, pick up one of those things and bring it back next week um, or prior to next week if you can uh, so I know if I need to go buy some stuff. Um, to help us. There's bread, there's oranges, there's uh, oranges or apples, there's different things that you can buy, candy canes, that we're going to, we're going to assembly line this stuff. These kids are going to, these kids are going to not only have fun next week, but they're going to have fun doing a service project. And they're going, and, and at the end of service, so not, so part one, if you're able to think about one of those tags, take it today, bring it back sometime this week um, with your item or items, if you want to bring multiple items. I mean, we're going to be assembling sandwiches. We're going to be stuffing these bags with the stuff. We need to have the product. But the other thing is, is that what we're going to do with these bags at the end of this. So after these lunch bags are made, we are going to give them away to those who are needy and hungry in our community. We're not going to do this in some overt, all the pastors are going to take the church van around and start chucking them out the window or something like that. What I'm going to ask you all to do next week at the end of service is on your way out, Grab four or five or how many for your family. And in the next you know, two or three days after that, you're gonna, your job, your mission, if you choose to accept it, and I'll find out if you don't because I'll have lots of lunch bags left, is to personally take your kids with you and go give out some lunch bags. Okay? You don't have to say, hey, God bless you. Here's this lunch bag from the first church of the Nazarene, and you should come to my church and stuff. Um. I, I want people to come to our church, but I want them to be blessed even more. And you sharing, for providing for their needs, will help you get into somebody else's heart. And that's really where Jesus wants to make the change in somebody and to help them. And so I want to encourage you uh, to come this week. Obviously, you're here, but next week, help us out with this project. Um, right there on that Christmas tree outside is um, is the little items. If, you're, if you run out of tags when the service is over, ask me and I'll tell you what other items we need um, to make this happen. But this is an awesome service opportunity for our kids as well as they package them up. And then they'll get to see you model what it is to do missions as you take them. Um, and it doesn't have to be any more than you actually driving up in your own car because and, and, there's people everywhere that are in need. And here's one very specific and very tactile way that you can meet that need. And so if God has spoken to you other than that, feel free. I want you to do what the Holy Spirit has told you to do, but this is one area that I would love for you to help us with as we serve our risen Savior. If you would, stand with me. And we'll close in prayer.
and we'll close in prayer and our, our worship team will come and finish out a song. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so very much for providing for us. We know that every good and pleasing gift comes from you. We are so very thankful for our families, for grace, for love, for mercy, for the food on our table, for the jobs that we go to. We know that not everybody has it as good as us. Or we're really hoping that somebody would reach out to us and say, you know what, I see that you're hurting. I see that you're in need. How can I help? Deep down inside, help us to connect with another person. Help us to realize that there are people all around us that are in just the types of circumstances that you were born into, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We say that with our words. We confess it with our mouths, Lord. Help us this week as we celebrate your birthday to live it with our actions. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.